this is a great freaking topic, man. I am so excited. I can't even tell you. When I started researching, when I saw this article pop up, I was like, oh, good. This will be interesting. And I'm reading and I'm like, I love this. This is, oh my God, this is great. And then I get to the bottom and whose picture is there? David Essel. Like, what the? It seriously, my jaw dropped. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, <laughs> that's so cute. And I was like, this is not real. <laughs> David Estel, like what else could he, how else can he blow my mind? Well, we're going to blow your mind again. Welcome to A Healthy Bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Our special guest today is David Essel. David is a best-selling author, a counselor, a master life coach, and an inspirational speaker whose work has been endorsed by celebrities like Jenny McCarthy, Wayne Dyer, Kenny Loggins, and others. And today, David is here talking to us about a very important topic, and that is, can living separately while married be a good idea? Let's get into the show. I came across the idea of a healing separation. So we left our home, my dream home, and we moved into two apartments. So what happened is we ended up in some apartments. I live on the third floor with our daughter and my husband and sons live on the second floor right below us. Oh my goodness. We've been like this for 18 or 19 months. Things couldn't be better. Like literally the happiest we've ever been in our lives. I can't wait. So let's get into this. What, what is living apart together, David? Rebecca, it is probably one of the most powerful tools that therapists have in regards to saving really dysfunctional, troubled relationships. You know, we have done this and it, I don't know, I've been doing this for 30 years as a counselor, 40 years in this world of personal growth. And for 30 years, we've been encouraging it. You know, it gives, first of all, let's talk about the benefits. So when you have an acrimonious relationship and you're at each other's throats, that energy is 24-7. It's not just when you're in the house. One of you can be at work, one can be in the house, and there's still that heaviness. Um, and then that person's coming home and you're going, okay, I've got to take a shower when they get home. I've got to go grocery so I don't see them when they get home. I've got to go gardening, you know. I've got to go pick up trash in the neighborhood. I've got to do anything but be around them, you know. So we know, and, and listen, in, in 2000, when I divorced, I tried this and my, my wife at the time just was not game. But we went to a therapist and because I can't be a therapist to my partner. And the therapist said to me, well, what do you think? And she only came one session and she was done. She, I, I don't want to go back anymore. So I kept going back and, and the therapist said, um, what do you think is the best move? And I said, to live apart and to see if we can't recreate our love. And the therapist said, you know, I, I don't have any experience with that. Do you? And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, I've been teaching it for 10 years now. And she looked at me and she said, that sounds pretty crazy as a counselor teaching people to separate. And I said, yeah, and it's one of the smartest things people can do. Now, what we do, Re Rebecca, is that we have a contract that people sign. And it says, we're going to stay monogamous. You know, there's no fooling around here. No emotional affairs, no physical affairs, no communing with someone with the opposite sex, complaining because that's an emotional affair, right? You have someone in the opposite sex and you're going, you know, at work or in the neighborhood or something. Yeah, my wife and I are separated because I just need a break. And then 
all of a sudden they go, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's real hard. And before you know it, you're in bed with them, you know? And then you go, what the hell did I do? So it's got to be monogamous. And then there's got to be, in our opinion, Rebecca, there's got to be a plan. How many times a week are we going to get together? How often are we going to make love? Or maybe we won't for the first 30 or 60 days. You know, if there's a lot of negative energy, I tell people, listen, you're going to have plenty of time to have sex after we heal the marriage. Okay. So don't worry about it. If you have to be celibate for 90 days, you'll survive. Um, But, you know, we want to make sure that both people are in agreement. We've had couples where one of them said, I'm not touching him or I'm not touching. Like they were so angry, you know, that Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And then I would look at the partner and I would say, that's not happening. And you and I are going to have to work on how you handle your desires and how you handle lust and, you know, your, your horniness and all the natural crap that people don't want to talk about. Right. You know, but if you get it in writing, you know, I, you and I could, I could tell you a hundred stories from 1990 to today, you know, of couples that did it. Now it doesn't work all the time. It's not, it's not a Holy grail, but, and there's gotta be an end point in our opinion. In other words, at the end of 90 days, you come back together and go, Oh my God, this is working. Like, let's not mess with it. Right? Like <laughs> we love this. And, or you come back together and say, okay, let's start slowly moving back in. I'm going to stay with you for the weekend. And then the next week it'll be three days. And then, then you know, so we can slowly integrate people back together. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people say, this is what I needed a separation to see this isn't what I want, you know? And, there's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, what's the best for you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I, I think that's great. So the first time that you recommended this to someone, do you remember what year oh, that yeah. was? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, because it was so bizarre, you know, I, like I hadn't read about this anywhere. It was just something that popped up in my head. It was around 1990 or 91. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple and they were like 60. Okay. So I don't know how old I was in 90. How many years ago is that? 30 years ago? Yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was 34. So I'm 34 and the, and this is a couple that's 60, right? And they've been married for uh, 30 years at least. Mm-hmm. And their marriage sucked, Rebecca. I mean, for 30 years, it sucked. And so when they went and told me, you know, I'm going, why would you even stay together? That's craziness, you know? But they had wanted to do something really unique to try to save the marriage. But, and here's, here's the ego and here's uh, mass consciousness coming into play they were embarrassed to tell their friends that they were sleeping separately, even in the same house. They were embarrassed to say that they were thinking about getting two residences. So their embarrassment, Rebecca, kept them in hell. It kept them in this insane marriage. So I'm talking to them, we're going through all this stuff. And, you know, and this was when I used to do couples counseling together. Mm-hmm. Now we do couples counseling separate. And, mm-hmm. and if we need to talk about it, I will, because I think it's the wave of the future. But we used to work with couples together. And so this was at this phase and it was early in my career. And so I said, hey, listen, you know, you guys are arguing in here like 45 minutes of an hour. You guys are each other's throats. So this is what I recommend. I don't think you can save it by staying together. I'm going to offer you a radical opportunity. I'm going to ask you to get another residence. And they looked at me like, what do we tell our friends? And I said, well, one place to begin that would be really healthy is called the truth. <laughs> because if you have so much shame and guilt that yeah. you're trying to save your marriage, and then that's what you tell them. We're trying to save our marriage. We've struggled for 30 years. We're going to try this different approach. That's what I told them to do. Mm-hmm. I said, but if you're filled with shame and guilt, you're going to sabotage it. You know, So get rid of your shame and guilt. 
be honest to your one or two friends. You don't have to go to a party and announce right. to everyone, you know, but right. tell the one or two really close people. So here's the shocking thing. They went home, they told these two people, and these two people said, that is brilliant. Yeah. And they go, what? And they go, this is a brilliant idea. You guys might actually make it, you know? And of course, they're thinking, wait a minute, we signed a contract, married for life, till death do us part. Mm -hmm. That means that we have to stay here. What we ended up doing was very similar to you and your husband. The very first move is they got a duplex, but it was on top of each other. I don't, you know, like, like kind of like townhouse. a townhouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the upstairs was its own unit that you had to have a separate doorway for and the downstairs. So I said, let's try this. Okay. Don't freak out. You're 13 steps away from each other. You know, if something happens and you go, we want to be together, you are. Right. But I said, if that's not enough, we'll go to the next level. And eventually we went to having two separate residences, but it saved the marriage. And then the really neat thing happened is that about a year afterwards, I get an email from them saying that, hey, listen, we just want to let you know, we are the talk of all of our circle of friends because we have all dysfunctional friends in marriages that are dysfunctional and everyone is jealous as hell that we're doing great and they suck. You yeah. Know? So it was cool. That is cool. I know every situation is different what you said makes so much sense. And I'm just speaking from my personal experience because I am not a therapist, but yeah, we agree ahead of time that there would be no outside relationships. I mean, we don't act like single people. All of those rules that you mentioned, that was definitely part of our plan. Our plan was to see our therapist once a week and to have a date night once a week. And other than that, we didn't interact. And so that's what we did for like the first month. And the crazy thing is, David, like within the first two or three weeks of living separately, I started missing him and wanting to see him. And then I was like, well, I, wonder if I, I wonder how I could get him to come up here. Or we started like seeing each other more because we weren't like suffocating each other yes, all of a sudden. Yes. And so I think that was a huge part of it. And then there was this breathing room where we could actually explore what, what's the broken record that keeps playing in this relationship. What are the stories we're, you know, replaying in our head. And once we were able to kind of untangle that with the space, we started to make progress. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, having a therapist is one of the best things you can do with this separate, yeah. like if you just, oh, we're gonna live separately and not work on our relationship, probably isn't gonna be great, right? No, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned this. We tell people don't ever attempt this without a minister, a therapist, a counselor, or something that's guiding you and holding your feet to the fire. And the other thing that you said, and this is where, you know, we believe in separate marriage counseling, and I'll explain it in a second. But what I do when we have a couple in this situation is that we work on each individual's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. What are your resentments? What's your insecurities? Where's your low confidence in regards to the relationship? You know, how long have you held on to that resentment? How long have you withheld sex? How long have you not been texting like you used to saying, I love you during the day? You know, like we want to really get to the nuts and bolts of what were you like when things were good? If there was a period, you know, pray to God there has been. But you know. <laughs> and, and then when did it start and what was your role? And when I say what was your role, of course, you know, the normal defensive response is I haven't done anything. You know, not me. Not me, right? And then Rebecca, over time, when you start to trust your counselor, 
then people start to open up. And the other thing that's really powerful is that if you find a therapist or a counselor that gives you homework assignments, we don't believe in therapy without homework. You've got to go home and do some introspective writing. You know, the questions like, why do I want to stay with this person? What would be the reasons that I want to stay? What do I have to change about myself in order to let this relationship mature and grow? You know, there's all these homework assignments that, you know, and, and what it does for the counselor or the therapist is that we get a chance to get into your head because you're probably going to be more honest in writing than you are in speaking through the first two or three or four sessions with someone that you're just starting with. Mm -hmm. So people have this sense of security when we give them homework assignments and they come in and spill their guts, but they may not have done that verbally, you know? So right. there's some really cool techniques that we've used in order to help people to get to that bottom of, you know, and the other thing I feel that's really powerful about living apart while being together is that when you can pull this off, you increase your own sense of confidence and security in the most powerful way. Because when, and I'm getting chills right now, Rebecca, this is so important. When two people can go apart, not have emotional affairs, not have physical affairs, allow the negative energy to slow down and calm down, do that introspection. That's the power, you know, mm -hmm. that and that, and more often than not, it brings people together. Now that doesn't mean that more often than not, people end up moving back in together. It just means that they recommit, you know, it's like being reborn, you know, yeah. it's, there's a new passion, a new energy, you know, this like incredible, like what you were saying, God, I'm, this is a guy three weeks ago that I wanted to slice his throat. My words, not Rebecca's. <laughs> and now I miss him in three weeks. That's how powerful this technique is. And you guys are brilliant. And your husband is a freaking rock star for saying yes, mm -hmm. because a lot of guys get so insecure when we start talking about their woman living, their wife, mm -hmm. their girlfriend in a different place, guys can get very insecure. Oh, yeah. So the fact that he went along with it and agreed is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I since then have talked to so many women who are in marriages where they're struggling and it's only obligatory sex. And, you know, just like you said, you know, what can I do? He's going to be home. I don't want to be here. Um, all of that kind of stuff. And they're like, how did you talk him into it? And I was just like, our marriage was so hanging on by a thread that I didn't think it could be fixed. And in my mind, this was the healing separation, but I thought, okay, if we end up not making it, then at least everyone can get used to us being apart. That was how bad my mindset was yeah. at the time. But like you said, we started going to therapy and she gave us homework and we did try a different type of therapy because we had been to therapy at a church before, but this time we went with emotionally focused therapy. Uh-huh. Sure. And that made a huge difference because we found out that my husband had been like suppressing his emotions for a long time because of other stuff um, that I won't get into. But uh, so he had been suppressing all of his emotions. He had only been trying to suppress anger, but we know that when you suppress one emotion, you suppress all of them. And so because he was suppressing these emotions, I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel like he cared or was passionate about anything. And so there was all of this. And our, our therapist was able to unravel this to the point where, I don't know, five or six months into this, if he and I were out on a date and I would say our therapist's name, he would tear up. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That is really yeah. beautiful. 
Yeah. So she made a big difference. So you've talked a little bit to us about the benefits and the advantages of living apart together. We're going to have to flip the coin. What are some of the disadvantages? You know, the greatest disadvantage is the opportunity to start looking for comfort somewhere else. Mm. That, that's it. You know, you're not getting your needs met at home emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. Mm-hmm. You're not getting those things met. And so it is natural part of human nature to be able to look outside to where can I at least get a, a comfort shoulder to cry on? Where can I have someone who will be a buddy or a friend of mine? That's, one, that's probably the number one concern that we make sure. And that's why we have a written contract. You know, we, we say we're going to write everything out and we're going to underline monogamy. We're going to underline no emotional affairs. I explain that an emotional affair is just as damaging as a physical affair. And I have to tell you something interesting. Men say no way. Women say yes. That an emotional affair is as damaging as a physical affair, right? Men just go, I was just getting off. I was just, you know, getting pleasured. I was, I, there was no emotional connection. But if a guy has an emotional connection, and is going behind his partner's back, sharing intimate secrets that's going on in the marriage, that will rile a woman up like unbelievable. You're sharing with her and you won't share with me. And, and, and she has a right to be mad, okay? I'm, I'm backing anyone that is in an emotional or a physical affair, that's the number one concern, is mm. that you're not gonna be serious, you're not gonna be disciplined, you're gonna be looking for um, a distraction mm-hmm. from your pain. And another person is a drug in the world of affairs. Mm-hmm. It's just like starting to drink more or eat more or do more drugs. An emotional affair is an addiction mm-hmm. that people in the situation of tough marriages will often lean on. So we say, number one, you got to be really careful of that. Number two, if you're going to separate without counseling, just get divorced. <laughs> really? Because the you have change- no guidelines. Mm-hmm. You, you, Listen, as smart as this, a couple might be, they're not in the world of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. It is a totally, just like your counselor therapist, like dug into your husband. And let me tell you this, underneath anger, 99% of the time is sadness, fear, mm-hmm. insecurity. Mm-hmm. Men express it as anger, but mm-hmm. it's sadness, fear, insecurity is usually the driving force of anger. So for her to see that, you and your husband together probably couldn't have figured this stuff out. Oh, no, we definitely couldn't. 20 years? I mean, seriously? So what are some of the safety nets that you put in place for this? Well, Um, number one is a written contract. mm -hmm. And the minute the contract is broken, we pull it out and you get one shot to make it up. Mm -hmm. If the contract is broken in any way, that's how we make it serious. You know, now Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story of people that haven't succeeded with this. There was a, a couple about two years ago that came into the office, lots of addiction, lots of abuse, uh, emotional abuse on both sides. The wife would abuse the husband, the husband would abuse the wife, the alcoholism was off the charts. So I started working with them individually. And I'm gonna, after this story, I'll talk about the, why I'm not a fan at all of couples counseling. I used to do it until 96 and then we switched. So I was working with the husband and he was very arrogant and very sure of himself and he knew the answers to everything. And then the wife was outrageously codependent, went along with whatever the husband said she went along with, but she was passive aggressive like a honey badger. So she would nod her head yes when he says, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And then she would sabotage it because she didn't have the strength to confront him. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with them both differently. And I talked to the wife about the contract and talked to the husband about the contract. I said, look, this is the only way I'll work with you guys is if you separate. 
because it's insanity. You've got two little kids that are seeing you fight, argue, get smashed, hammered. Like this is not kosher. So I'm going to advise that you separate, do the 90 days. So they agreed. So I said to them, go home this weekend, create the contract. I, gave, I give everyone the outlines, but I make them do the contract. Mm -hmm. So, because now they, they're buying in, right? Like they have some buy-in. We did it. We're not just, we're going, this is, this is David's bullshit. <laughs> we're right, not following right. this. You know, it's your BS then now. So they come in the next week and I did ask them to come in together because I wanted them to talk in front of me about the contract. And the minute the guy sit down, the wife pulls out three copies, one for me, him and her, and he starts laughing. And this is his arrogance. And he said, if you think I'm going to sign some, now he, they had just spent three days focusing on this contract, writing it together. According to her, when she texted me the day before the session, she goes, we're both fully on board. The minute she pulled it out, he went arrogant. And he said, if you think, he goes, you know, you are the stupidest woman I've ever met. If you think I'm actually going to sign that stupid thing. And I looked at him like that. I go, guys, session is over. You may leave right now to the husband. You may leave. If you'd like to stay to the wife, you may stay. So he was banned from my office. He still, he is for life. He's banned for life. Wow. We don't mess around. Mm -hmm. And I continued working to, with the wife, but unfortunately, four weeks later, because she is so codependent, they never separated. And she texted us and said, my husband is forbidding me from ever working with you again. Now, that was just a power move because I had banned him from our work, you know, so he's going to get back at me through her. It for tat. Yeah. You know, but now that's a marriage. And the last time I talked to her, I said, I hope you're strong enough to do the right thing for your children, mm -hmm. which the only right thing to do is divorce. Mm -hmm. So there are some couples that when we present this to, will get very defensive, very angry, and they'll act out. Now, let me talk about why we do not believe in couples counseling. So up until 1996, we did it all the time. And then in 96, I started noticing something that about 80% of my couples, when they were in a lot of trouble in their marriage during a session, we would do it on the phone. We would do it. Um, this is like up until 95, we didn't have internet or anything like that. Um, you know, so we would do all these conferences via the phone. And, and when we're doing them, we're sitting there trying to get to the core of what's going on. Well, what happens with most couples is, one will shut down. There's a dominating partner and there's a submissive partner in all relationships. Whether you want to agree with it or not, you don't have to. It's just the truth. Okay. So there's someone that likes to be in control and there's someone that more or less likes to follow. Mm -hmm. Well, the follower is shutting down. That's just normal. The codependent's going to shut down. They may want to talk openly and honestly, but the minute their husband or wife glances at them or gives a, oh, got to hear this again then they shut down, right? Right. The other thing is, if you're paying a counselor and you're arguing, well, that's kind of a waste of money and time, you know? So what happened in 1996, Rebecca, is that I'm sitting there in this couple, 45 minutes a session, they're going at each other, you know? After the second week, I go, time out, time out. And they're looking at me, what? You just interrupted something really good going on, you know? And I, yeah, and I go, this is insanity. I go, look at, I'm sitting back listening to your nonsense. You can do this at home for free. Yeah. So do me a favor, go home, finish your arguing. If you want to continue the work, I'm going to work with you both individually. And Rebecca, ever since 1996, you know, I do one session together and then I'll do like four to six or eight sessions apart. Yeah. And then we come back together to decide where are we going?
you know? And, and it works magically. Um, I want people, and of course, when I'm working with one partner, it's 100% confidential. So they can say anything they want and it'll never leave my lips. And when the other one comes in, it's the same thing. I don't, we call it cross-pollinating in the uh, therapy world. I don't cross-pollinate. Right. You know, I don't share this flower with that flower, right? It's like, whatever you're sharing with me here, little flower girl or flower boy, it's staying. It's staying. Uh -huh. So, oh, so and, and we feel that it's the best way, you know, to do therapy. An analogy I give men, uh, because men love sports analogies, you know, and I say to them, I go, look, if you ever went to a professional football training camp or practice, what you'd see is this, the linemen are with the line coach, the quarterbacks are with the quarterback coach, all the different positions are with their own position coach, and they work on their strengths and weaknesses. Then at the end of the practice, they come together as a team. And that's my philosophy with counseling. I work with the wife's struggles, I work with the husband's struggles, we diminish, eliminate the struggles, and then they come back together as a team. That's brilliant. I love that. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, but I've never thought of it that way before. If you go to counseling and you're just arguing for the whole time, I mean, <laughs> what a waste of money. And speaking of money, that was one of the disadvantages that I wanted to bring up because um, what we're paying to live in two apartments is quite a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. And uh, we just renewed our leases in May for one more year. I'm already ready to live together again. And I know he is too. So yeah, we hope to have that figured out by this time next year, Good. but it has been amazing. And I just think, um, you know, if you had suggested this to me five or six years ago, I probably would have thought you were crazy. And I did actually come across some other articles that I wanted to mention to you. And I'm not going to say where I saw them. I don't want anyone to like step on any toes or anything, but I did see a couple of, I'll say religious articles about what a bad idea this is and how if a woman chooses to live separately from her spouse, that she is just setting herself up to have him have an affair because men have absolutely no self-control. And if, a husband and wife don't sleep in the same bed every single night, then obviously the husband is going to have an affair. It was very rigid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it broke my heart because I think, you know, maybe there are a lot of people in the church world who may believe that I really truly believe that living apart while staying together saved our marriage. And I think it could save a lot of other people's marriages, but there's a stigma about it. If you're not living with your spouse, what's wrong with you? Rebecca, it even goes to, if you're not sleeping in the same room, right. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, and, and listen, as a minister, I love religion. I love spirituality. I love everything I'm, I've married. I can't tell you how many couples over the years. At the same time, religion is not the answer. Mm. The religion can be a guideline, but they can be really off. There's a lot of Christian churches that believe yoga is from the devil. You know, yoga. Mm -hmm. Yoga is from the devil. And they ban it. And mm -hmm. they ban their, 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 their congregation from doing yoga. And that's the kind of insanity. And what I believe is that there's a lot of religions out there, maybe good intentions, that are just simply power hungry. Mm -hmm. They want attention. They want you to do it their way. They don't want you to think. They don't want you to have a brain. You know, they want you to accept because this is the way we've always done it. Okay, well, let's have a wake-up call, religions. What we've always done may have worked in 2000 uh, BC 
or but you know it, or it may have worked i should have said 2000 ad um but you know listen we are in a new world if you don't keep up with everything that's going on wh why are religions dying why are people leaving churches? Why are, why are all religions are dying in regards to numbers of congregation members? Why? It's because they're not staying updated. Rebecca is one of the biggest things. They still love shame and guilt. When you use shame and guilt as a tool, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. And I will call churches idiots. I'll call pastors idiots. I was a former pastor of a church. I probably did some pretty idiotic things. Okay. So I'm not standing on some soapbox thinking I'm perfect. But if any church minister pastor tries to use shame and guilt for anything whatsoever which they love to do by the way because shame mm -hmm. and guilt are great control features mm -hmm. so you say that you know i'm this if you're in our church this is what almost all churches teach this is your freedom you have none so we're going to shame you you want to live apart let us shame you you want to live as let's find let's find something in the bible that we can twist that we can manufacture to meet our needs for you to stay in the same house. Now imagine this, Rebecca. That means that churches are encouraging emotional and physical abuse in marriages. Mm -hmm. They're encouraging it. Because if they had an open mind, they'd say, if, that, if it's that bad, Rebecca, if you and your husband are at each other, then you're not being role models for your children. Mm -hmm. And if you're not being role models for your children, your children are going to grow up with some pretty screwed up ideas about what a healthy marriage is going to look like. And all they're going to do is repeat what you and your husband have shown them. Right. So if a church or a religion can't get out of their own way to see this logic that you and I are talking about today, and if that's the type of church that you go to, in my open-mindedness, I say, I think it's time to find a better church. Right. And honestly, I mean, as I was reading the article and it was talking about how this like opens up a relationship or a, a marriage to the risk of an affair, I'm thinking, what about the statistics of all of the married people that have affairs that live together? I mean, like I'd say there's more people that live together who this one of the spouses have an affair than people who live apart. I mean, just by sheer numbers. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. But anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like as much as it can help people that there's probably a lot of advice against it as well. Well, you know, let's, let's look at this. Um, and I'll make an analogy to another organization that's been around for 80 years that is still stuck in the past and they're not helping anywhere near as many people as they can. And that's the 12 step programs. Mm hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, Codependence Anonymous, um, uh, right. Fat Addict or Food Addict Anonymous, um, Cocaine Anonymous, Nicotine Anonymous, they are all working from an 80-year-old program that's never been updated. Mm -hmm. So when we look at 12 steps and we see a 10% success rate across the board, that's pretty crappy. Yeah, it is. 10% success rate is terrible. Mm -mm. And yet they talk about these programs as if they're you know, the savior. Now, for people that go through them, the 10%, Rebecca, that are healed, and that are happy and haven't cross addicted to nicotine, uh, uh, caffeine, nic uh, drugs, or something else, right. stay there. Don't don't change anything. But for the ninety percent of people, it doesn't help. Why is that? Because they've never changed their mode of operation for eighty years. What they formulated eighty years ago is identically what they teach today. And here's again, just like churches, we were talking about. We have grown a lot in the world of psychology in 80 years. You know? right. I mean, can you imagine a car dealership today that's working <laughs> off of their program of 80 years ago with filing cabinets, no computers, 
Isn't that funny? <laughs> you know, and that's 12 step. Or a doctor's um, office. Or a doctor's office. You could say any manufacturing plant in the world yeah. would be closed down in a heartbeat if they didn't sure. continue to update. The other thing that I would love, and, and we do this with with couples that do have a spiritual interest or a religious interest, we always bring that in and say, hey, can we start doing some readings? Can you guys start reading together? And even if you're separate, you know, one of the, let me tell you an exercise that we do with separation and and living apart or living together and, and apart. We ask when they get to a certain level, and this might be month two or three, we ask them to start doing something that they would never, ever do. And that is every night, once they've made that decision that this is working and yes, we're starting to calm down and we can see our hearts opening. And that's really what we're trying to do with the living apart. We're trying to give ourselves a break so the heart can reopen because Mm -hmm. right now there's a wall in front of both people's hearts. You take yourself out of that negative, stressful environment and the heart has a chance to flourish again and to open. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is usually month two or three, we'll say, okay, now we're going to up the ante a little. We want you to be on the phone five nights a week with this book that you're both going to have your own copy with. And it might be um, five love languages. It might, you know, there's going to be something that's like deeply emotional or spiritual. Mm -hmm. And you're going to take turns reading two pages to each other. And then you're going to discuss what you read in those pages. So we take 15 minutes a night and they hear each other's voice. And the person is reading something out of a beautiful book. And then the other person reads their pages and then they sit on the phone and talk. What we have found, Rebecca, it's one of the most beautiful ways to help people bring their energy as one, Mm -hmm. you know, and I love that exercise. You know, I just think it's one of the coolest things to do. Yeah. That's sweet. I like it. We didn't do that, but we did, uh, we would pick an audio book about marriage. You know, we picked, I have like five books that we would listen to together and then kind of discuss, but my husband commutes an hour and a half. So he would listen, you know, during Mm -hmm. his commute, I would listen during the day and then we could kind of discuss, but I like your idea better. No, I like (laughs) the reading out loud better. I love I used to read out loud to my kids all the time. I love read out loud. So I think that's wonderful. I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Because I know when women get between the ages of maybe 40 to 52 ish, um, there's like a hormone shift. And I'm curious what you think about how that changes the dynamics in a relationship. Do you feel like that has anything to do with suddenly at that age? I feel like it's, it's harder to get along. Well, I think there's a lot of things hormonally. And, you know, at that age that we're talking about, men are going through a hormonal shift as well. Mm -hmm. Men go through menopause. It's called andropause. Right. It's it's the identical same thing as women. And so in that age, both people are seeing a huge crushing. And in men, what happens, there's a massive decrease in testosterone. Mm -hmm. It starts around 35 to 40. And it keeps going down. So by 50, forget it. You could have the testosterone of a 100-year-old man. But at the same time, a man's estrogen is rising. Mm -hmm. So there's this, you know, I used to be, you know, you talk about midlife crisis, right? With Mm -hmm. men. Okay. Mm -hmm. I used to be virile. I used to be able to get an erection just like that. I used to be able to have stay in power. I used to satisfy. And now all of a sudden things are changing. Of course, with Viagra and Cialis, we can overcome that to a degree, right? But still it's the psychological loss. It's the, 
I'm not as in great shape as I was at 30. I'm 50. My body is changing. My wife is changing with her hormones. I didn't know this. I tell these guys this all the time. Guys don't know this, but your hormones are changing almost as radically as your wife's or your girlfriend's. So, and this is where we recommend people to go work with a hormone specialist. You know, mm -hmm. bioidentical hormones are probably one of the greatest saviors for men and women when they're going through perimenopause, menopause, or andropause for men. Mm -hmm. Bioidentical hormones can radically turn back time. You know, there's, I'll tell you a story. There's a, a guy that I, I worked with and him and his wife were just always at each other's throats. It was never really good. We recommended the separation. They, neither of them really had the strength. They weren't secure at all. They were really afraid that if they separated, both of them would have affairs. So I was working with a guy and he was talking about how he's never had energy and he had no sexual desire and he was 50. So I said, go to your doctor and get a full profile. But I said, I really wouldn't go to your general doctor. I'd go to a hormone expert. Well, he went to his general doctor. He gets his testosterone. He's reading it to me over the phone. And I'm going, oh my God, his testosterone was like 250. For a man, 800 to 1,000 is like premier, positive, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, I go, hey, you know what? Here, here's a huge part of your issue right here. I said, of course you can't function. You don't have a good attitude. You can't physically function with your wife that much. I said, that makes sense. And he goes, oh, my, my doctor said it was perfect. I said, that's why I said to go to a hormone specialist. Mm -hmm. When he went to the hormone specialist, the hormone specialist said, what? 200 is perfect? No, 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 no. So we got him on a replacement. His wife went on replacement about 60 days later. And that allowed them to both start to feel more balanced and normal. And then we were able to bring them back together. But I still would have referred them out. I still wish they would have taken time like you and your husband did, because that would have made this whole transition a lot easier. Right. And it brings the stress level down. And I think right. so then the hormones, like the cortisol levels change. And I think it really does. Right. It isn't just an the emotional side of it. It's also really a physical side is that, you know, you kind of let your guard down, you have a space that's your own and you can just decompress a little bit. So I feel like it really does make a difference. It's, you know, emotionally and physically. Absolutely. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I did want to bring that up. And since you brought up the hormone replacement therapy, I will say that yes, testosterone is a huge factor, but I also would say that there are things that people can do. I just recently started giving my husband some supplements that I think before someone considers Viagra or something like that, they could try this. It's a really natural route. You okay. have a video about adrenal fatigue in men. And I think that you would really like this and maybe recommend it to some of your people, but it's called ancestral supplements. And so he, he has supplements for liver. He has a prostate supplement. He has one mm -hmm. called MOFO and it has all these different <laughs> organs in it. it. <laughs> yeah. So he has grass fed, grass finished beef. Yes, and that's yes. all that the supplement is and you yeah. build up you start out with like one capsule per day and you work your way up and I think you know before someone goes to Viagra they can maybe experiment with because it's just a whole food supplement yeah. and even my husband said it's made a huge difference for him so yeah and arginine you know arginine is an over-the-counter you know you take 3,000 yep. milligrams a guy that's struggling with you know uh, impotence Mm -hmm. If you take 3,000 milligrams a day, a lot of people, Rebecca, just with arginine have found a big turnaround. Yeah. So you're right. There's a thousand different options out there. 
Um, and, and I think it's important to look at the whole relationship, mind, body, spirit, everything, mm -hmm. you know, finances, you know, when, when we work with a couple that's struggling, there isn't any stone that we don't turn over. How are you guys, do you guys agree on the finances? You know, who's in charge? Who does the budgeting? Are you both comfortable with that? Do you agree? You know, listen, I'm working with couples right now that are freaking out over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them is mask heavy, lotion heavy, everything heavy. And the other one's this free spirit going, I don't care about it. I don't believe in this crap. You know, <laughs> that can create a lot of tension in a marriage, yeah. uh -huh. you know, because let's just be stereotypical for the hell of it. The wife is running around wiping stuff, wearing masks, getting the kids all covered in goo. So not one freaking virus could ever come near them. You know, the yeah. kids are just dripping with that stuff. And then the husband is out there going... I'm not wearing, don't put those, that stuff on my hands. Well, that can create a lot of dysfunction within a family. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at everything, you know, now, it, and it's funny because several of the couples that we've done this living apart have chosen to stay apart for the rest of their lives. Wow. They're committed monogamously. They have no intentions. You know, one couple, they bought two little houses a mile and a half away from each other. They sold their big house, bought two little houses. They're a mile and a half away. They're happy as can be. Another couple, they bought two little condos, sold their house, bought two little condos. And they're planning on being like this forever. Mm -hmm. But we do make sure that there are certain things. You, know, you had mentioned date night. It's kind of funny. We have a little different opinion on that. We don't believe in date night until the energy has dropped enough for people to be really civil. Mm -hmm. And we don't believe in going away for the weekends for some sexcapades because you know, and that's, and I, I, we work with these, we get a lot of people that have been with other therapists and then they finally come to us mm -hmm. all the time. One of the first tools that so many of these people use is, okay, you guys need to get away from the weekend, no kids, but they hate each other. That's a terrible Bad piece idea. of advice. <laughs> it's terrible. Bad you know? idea. Oh my God. Yeah. And Rebecca, every couple that comes to me goes, well, the last therapist said we should be having date nights and we should be having, you know, weekend sex getaways. And I go, no, no, no. We got to get to the basics. Like, oh, yeah. open your heart first. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. And actually, we didn't start out. Um, the first maybe four to six weeks, I think we only went to counseling. But by the time we started implementing that date night, along with our counseling, we were both ready for it. So it was, it was good. Yeah, that's it's good. amazing how much just having your own space and not feeling that tension of having, oh, okay, he's home from work now. Um, yeah. That, you know, or like I said, the obligatory, you know, politeness, the obligatory sex, the obligatory right appearances. I mean, really, it's not healthy. And it's not honest. Like you said, it's completely not honest. I am thinking there's probably a lot of other situations where this could work where perhaps, you know, someone has uh, their spouse has passed away. And you know, they they live in the home that they raise their children in, and they meet someone whose spouse has passed away and they live in their home, they raise their children and they want to be together, but they each want to keep their separate homes. Or even blended families where the mom has a child and the dad has a child and they don't necessarily want to move everyone in together. I, th I feel yeah. like there's a lot of situations where this could work and I'm sure you've counseled all kinds of people. So if someone's listening and they're like, this sounds like something I could do, where could they get in touch with you? Are you open to counseling people? Yeah, Rebecca, we're doing everything with webinars and phone right now because of the social distancing, which I'm totally fine with. You know, before 1995, we did everything by phone. So this is wow. like just going back to my roots. 
But yeah, you know, what we say to people is that, you know, the best thing to do is give it 90 days. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you're really at each other's throats and you don't feel like being intimate and when you're intimate, like you said, you're doing it just because it's a role you're playing, mm-hmm. you know, contact us at talkdavid.com. It's a really easy website to remember, talkdavid.com. You know, you can do a 30 minute in, um, uh, session with me just to see, I can explain more for your situation, what might work best for you. But we believe without a doubt that it's one of the greatest ways to save relationships. Um, and I'm going to make this comment again because it's so per, per, perfect and important. If you have children and you're in a loveless marriage, a non-physical contact, no PDA, public displays of affection, nothing whatsoever, get the hell out of that house, one of you, mm-hmm. because your children are going to mirror you. They're going to think this is normal. They're going to look for a partner that is not into touch or not into communication. They're going to think this is a normal because that's what I saw mom and dad do. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to take it and repeat it. So please don't let that happen especially if you have children, reach out to us. Let's talk about it. And if you feel that the separation and living together and apart doesn't work for you, there's other options we can try. You know, but you know, there's, there's one couple that the guy started living in the cellar and they created a little bedroom down there. And he, he comes in from work, he bypasses the kitchen, goes right downstairs. They made a little shower down there. He takes a shower, he takes care of his stuff, and then he comes upstairs for dinner. Yeah. And it's made a huge difference in their relationship. So there's all kinds of creative things we can do, but don't stay stuck in a loveless, dysfunctional, angry marriage, please. It's so unhealthy. It's so bad for your health. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, finance. It's terrible for everything. It is. It is. I know. And I could go on about all those ideas. I thought it would be so cool to have two tiny homes on because, you know, tiny homes is a big thing. Or like you could get some land and put up two yurts. I have all kinds of ideas of how cool it would be. But I think it's great that you're recommending this. And of course, you're always ahead of the curve. You were doing this before anyone ever heard about it. So of course, of course. (laughs) And then I think that's great. I mean, I hate the whole pandemic and everyone having to social distance and everything. But I think that if there's any benefit of it, it's the fact that people all over the world can contact you and get counseling no matter where they're at. They don't have to live near you to come see you in person. They can Zoom with you and get your help from anywhere. Yeah. Rebecca, you know, we, we say this all the time. There's, there's always going to be positives and disasters. And one of the things that I'll tell you a couple of real positives with the pandemic. One is that a lot of relationships are finally seeing that they don't have a relationship mm-hmm. because they're together much more now than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so now that I look at that as a positive because it means that we've been living with our head in the sand and now we see reality. And so this could be a great ch- chance for you to save your marriage. You know, we, we just started with a couple yesterday and I'm getting chills again. That's the same thing. Mm-hmm. The guy left his job 60 days ago because they were going to lay him off or do some kind of minimal hours. And he opened his own business. His wife has her own business. Guess where their businesses are run out of their home. So for the last 30 days, for the first time in 10 years, they're together 24 seven. And he started sharing with her things that he had never shared. Oh, wow. And, and it was painful for her to hear. But in that pain, it moved them to come in and start working. It wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. 
it wouldn't have happened without them being at home. And so there's a benefit right there. Yeah, always a silver lining. There is even, you know, and I'm not, you know, Rebecca, you know me really well. I'm not a huge fan of this whole positive thinking all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. We'll, we'll but, be putting a link to that book in the show notes. <laughs> good. But I do believe that in all tragedy is something we can learn from if we yes. choose to be open-minded and look deep enough. Mm-hmm. I agree. So if you're listening and you want to get in touch with David and get his wonderful advice and help, you can reach him at talkdavid.com. It's so easy and you can find him um, there and he has all kinds of courses and amazing information. He is a wealth of knowledge. So he has a lot of little courses that are like, what are they like 295 or something like that? Oh gosh. I think we have like 15 webinar or, you know, online video courses that are like $3. Yeah. Yeah. I send them to people all the time. So make sure you go and check that out because David has a lot of really great stuff on his website. So make sure you go check that out. David, thank you so much. I always love talking to you. Oh, Rebecca, you're a rock star. I have such a blast for you. And Congratulations for you and your husband on making such a powerful move to save your marriage. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero-waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.